Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome to the B2B Playbook. We're your hosts, Kevin and George. And Kevin, this week we have a very dear friend of ours, Kiani Tickle, on the show. Kiani, Kevin, there's three of us. How are we? (laughs) Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? (laughs) Pretty, pretty good, Kev. I think maybe you can give an official introduction so our listeners know exactly who Kiani is. And uh, it's going to make all the wisdom she imparts on us a lot more interesting. Kev. Yes, George. Very, very exciting to have Kiani here. Listeners, Kiani works in-house in B2B marketing. You'll hear today a first-hand account of some of the challenges she's faced and what are some of the things that has really helped the business that she works in grow. A quick introduction before we get started. Kiani is the marketing lead at Altus Consulting. Starting as a digital marketing lead, she now heads up marketing at Altus, developing end-to-end marketing campaigns, strategies, and tactics to deliver results for a thriving B2B business and our own backyard here in Sydney. Alice's Consulting itself helps deliver data and analytics consulting to help other businesses improve their data use and decision-making as a result. Kiani is also a dear friend of ours, having all of us worked at the same time for a stint agency site at Sparrow, one of Australia's leading performance digital marketing agencies, during which time Kiani led a range of clients in planning and executing the digital marketing activities, including the likes of Domino's and Seafolly, having her first hustles there as well with the unique challenges that face B2B businesses in the marketing online space. Kiani, again, welcome to the show. We're stoked to have you here. George, our worlds are certainly colliding here. 
Yes, they are, Kevin. George's worlds are colliding. Very excited to have Keani here and keen to get stuck in. Very excited to be here, guys. Okay, Keani, we're going to start simple. Basically, just your life story of how you got into digital marketing. Maybe tell us a little bit about how you got into digital marketing, particularly the B2B digital marketing in your current position as well. And did you always know you were going to be in digital marketing? If not, how did that come about? The short answer is no, I didn't always want to work in digital marketing. It's just kind of something that I fell into in the end, but to give you a bit of a background about how I got here. So I went to the University of Newcastle straight out of high school to study a Bachelor of uh, Communication, majoring in journalism and public relations. I always had a passion, I guess, for writing and being creative, and it just felt like the right path for me at that time. I was also heavily influenced by the movie How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days because the main character is a journalist living in New York and I just thought she was like the most fabulous thing. Kate Hudson? Yep. She was, Yellow dress, you know the was, one. <laughs> she was my young George celebrity crush, Kate Hudson. Yeah, understandable. Classically, understand. classically beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, please... <laughs> Go on. <laughs> uh, but after graduating, I was looking for entry-level roles in Sydney and found a great opportunity as a digital marketer at the agency Sparrow. And that's kind of where it all begun for me. I was there for roughly two and a half years. And during that time, I got to work on some great clients. For me, starting my career in agency, I found it was really beneficial as we were always given like the opportunity to try different things and continually learn new skills. Uh, which allowed me to get some really great experience across multiple platforms, insight into a range of digital strategies and help broaden my skill set. So from there, I moved in-house to a digital marketing role at Outers Consulting, which is a data and analytics consultancy. And I am now the marketing lead, so responsible for driving all marketing activities, both on and offline. That's great. And so when you entered Altus Consulting, were you the first person in digital there? Yes, I was the first in-house digital marketing person they have hired. Wow. And Altus is a pretty big company, right? How many employees yeah. do they have? Um, at the moment, we're roughly 130. Gee, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. And you're the first in-house digital person that they had. Yes. Yep. That's, uh, that's pretty wild. So coming in as the first person in digital in a company that's nearly 150 people, that's pretty large. And mm. being the first person digital, that must have come with quite a host of challenges, I imagine. What did the person who was hiring you really want out of bringing someone in-house for the first time? Yeah, it was definitely a big job and a lot of change needed. What they were after was to really expand their digital presence. They didn't have too much digital advertising going. So they really wanted to have someone in-house that had the knowledge that could kick things off for them. So Keani, coming in-house and kicking off that digital transformation for Alters Consulting, what were some of the common challenges that you faced? Yeah, so there were a few, <laughs> as you can imagine. B2B marketing can be pretty tricky. The path to conversion is usually quite long and often there are like several big hoops you need to jump through before you have even considered as an option. So what I believe to be one of the most common challenges that I found is really understanding your customers and the realization that the customer journey can look vastly different depending on that particular customer and the organization that they're working for. 
It's very different moving from the B to C to B to B world. And as you said, it varies depending on the customer and the different segments within your business too. Right? Definitely. So Kevin and I, we talk about it as the dream customer avatar is a way of profiling those influencers and decision makers. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that you went ahead and did for Altus Consulting. Yeah. So it is something we worked on earlier this year. It was definitely a bit of a process. It took a lot of um, meetings and a lot of focus groups with many different departments in our organization. But in the end, we found it so, so useful. Which one do you think probably was the most helpful when you were going to talking to different people to align your marketing with the wider business? Who do you feel like if you could just choose one source, who would that be? Talking directly to customers, yeah, it definitely gives you the most insight because you can talk to the sales team, you can talk to the management team, and they're all telling you what they think your customer wants, but the customer is going to tell you directly. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> been my experience too. I think Kevin, is that probably the same for you? There's no substitute for talking directly to your customers. You can hear it from other sources. You can try and glean signals, and we do as much as that as we can in digital marketing, but you can't always get that clarity and the directness of the feedback and the context of that feedback if you're not talking directly to your customers. So that sounds like that was quite a large journey to go through. (laughs) And so what did you speak to sales? You spoke to the customer directly. What other sources did you look at? So we spoke to several people throughout the organization, just trying to get a better understanding of what they know about the customer, because, you know, the sales team, they're the ones out there speaking to them every day. So they have a pretty good insight. So we asked them things like about their demographics, about their job title, their job role, the pain points that we most commonly see. We also asked about their interests outside of work. We just really wanted to get an insight into not just why they would get into business with Altus, but what they're doing outside of work as well. That's amazing. I mean, Kev, you and I always say that the the best kind of marketing is figuring out where your dream customers want to go next yeah. and then helping them get there. Just doing whatever mm-hmm. you can to help them. And that doesn't always mean in their day-to-day job what they want help with. It can yeah. be what else is going on exactly. in their wider life. And sometimes they don't know what they want, what they need help with. <laughs> right, right. Something else interesting we um, spoke to our customers about and also to people within our organization is asking them what their perception of Altus was, why they chose Altus to begin with, what made them choose Altus, what was our competitive advantage and why did they think we were the best fit. This way we got to see an insight into why they would pick us over our competitors and it really helped us find competitive advantages that we didn't notice or necessarily market because we just thought that's what everyone was doing. We also asked what would their biggest objections be to working with us. So we knew if there was anything that we were doing that wasn't what they needed in a project, we knew about it. So that's great. So you really helped identify those pain points and then you looked at, I guess, how Altus in particular can help solve those and maybe things that are slightly left of field that Altus are providing. 
That's actually a really good point, George. And kudos to you, Keani, for doing this. Not many businesses do that in that discovery period is actually figuring out exactly what the customer sees the value is. It can be really easy for businesses, particularly on the B2B side where there isn't strong customer feedback to just assume what they find is attractive about a business or is the value propositions for a particular B2B business. And it's important to actually be data-driven in that process too and challenge every hypothesis you might have and cover those blind spots. There's always going to be things that your business offers that your customers find valuable that you might not necessarily think of as a big advantage over your competitors. And it's good to let that data, qualitative or quantitative, show you the way and start to market some of that in front of your customers and potential customers because they're going to get value out of that product. All right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, it's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. So when you were doing that customer research, Kiani, we see a common problem is the sales team is not always super keen for the marketing team to go and chat to the <laughs> customers directly. Did you face that difficulty at all? It definitely can be a common problem, but a big kudos to our sales team because they were able to take that conversation to our customers and they came back with some really, really great feedback. And we also had data from a past activity that was similar to the one we did where they were able to actually send customers a questionnaire. And so we still had those responses as well, which was really, really helpful. Oh, that's process. fantastic. So you mm. got to actually work with the sales team yeah. to, to formulate that research. And then you had that part before where the sales team had already gone out and done some research yeah. prior to that as well. Yeah. So well, it really, really helped. Yeah, that's a great way to work together with the sales team. And we always see a common challenge is sales and marketing being misaligned, right? Mm -hmm. And siloed. Mm -hmm. And I always feel like the closer they get together, the better better marketing is going to be and the better people's life and sales are going to be, right? Because you're targeting the right people. Those people who are coming to you are going to be more ready to buy because you've already gone and done the hard work on the marketing side, educating them. Which makes sales happier, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a lot of value in that alignment. It actually, instead of fearing that process in a lot of B2B businesses, I think when marketing and sales come together and work as one team, it actually makes both teams' lives a lot easier. So marketing gets that information from sales, as has happened in Alta's case. With that example we just gave Keani, you get those insights without having to build relationship with your customers because those relationships already exist with your sales team. And then you can feed better leads as 
as George said before, to the sales team so that when they then have a conversation with that customer, they then don't have to sell the product again. The customer's already sold on the product and they can move pretty quickly through the sales process and the sales team can actually use their time productively, not to vet the leads, but to actually get them onboarded and make sure it's a successful transition into the, into the product for new and potential customers. Definitely. Kiani, with you coming into the business as one of the first people in digital, something that Kevin and I see quite often is in traditional industries, there isn't that understanding of the impact that digital should have, where it should impact, and what metrics indicate that things are moving in the right direction. What did you find is, I guess, the the best way to communicate that to the stakeholders in your business? So communication is key. Absolutely. I think you want to make sure the people who need to be are informed in what you're doing and how what you're doing is improving the brand awareness. One way we keep everyone informed is a monthly update. So we originally used to just send this to the management team because we thought, you know, that's the people that we want to keep informed. But what we found is that actually a few team members were really interested in this that weren't in the management team. So now what we do is we actually send a monthly update organization wide. And that way people can ask us questions about what we're doing. They can see how their post on LinkedIn or something that they've done to help marketing has helped improve our digital presence. I love that because marketing touches so many aspects of the business. It shouldn't just sit within marketing itself. So by you showing that to the wider team and getting them involved, that's probably giving you some valuable information that you can then use again and put that back into your marketing activities. Yeah, definitely. And just as an example, with COVID, uh, we started doing webinars quite regularly. And what we found originally, it was quite hard to get people to want to run a webinar. Mm -hmm. But after they were able to see the reach it got and the amount of people registered and how it improved the personal brand of the person hosting that webinar, we had a lot of interest. So I think it also helps um, then want to be more involved. That's awesome. And how much easier does that make your life when you're thinking mm. about what content can I get out there? Because the content that's coming from within, from the employees, from the different people within the business, like that's going to be probably the most valuable. effective and valuable mm. content. Yeah, they're both domain experts and they're bought into and understand the business that they operate in. So the content that comes out is definitely on point and what you need. That's actually yeah. such a great way to get buy-in from the wider team. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's, we've definitely seen an improvement. Having the buy-in of the wider organization, it definitely allowed us to create more authentic content. And from there, we just saw leads increase in webinar registrations. We had a lot of interest from customers that we actually were already engaged with. That's so powerful, Kiani. The point there is that once you start getting that authentic content, that's really valuable to your end users because you're relying on the domain expert of those in the business that's closest to the customers, you actually then offer more value customers, leads, whatever that might be, they become more engaged with the brand and they come to you more ready. And it's a lot easier then to start that two-way conversation where you can continue to get insights from your customers and they're a lot more open with you. But at the same time, you're speaking more to their pain points, more to the things that they're interested in. The efforts that you're doing in marketing aren't wasted. It's very relevant stuff to your end user. So that's such a good example. 
Keani, I've noticed that you haven't just kept your marketing efforts and content efforts within that from what's happening within Altus itself, but you've actually looks like gone out and partnered with complementary mm. businesses in your space. I follow Altus. I see the work that you do. <laughs> it's really great. I saw you guys are doing like a partnership with DBT or something. Do you want to tell us a little more about that? Yeah. So with our recent webinar series, we've done actually a few joint webinars with some of our partners. So we have a few technology partners because we are vendor independent. So that kind of works in our benefit because we are able to team up with the likes of DBT or Microsoft, um, Snowflake is another one, and have these joint events where we can kind of combine our reach. That's such a great way of exposing your partners to the eyeballs that you guys have as Altus Consulting, and then the same way you get to expose Altus Consulting to theirs. And there mm. probably is an overlap, as you've pointed out, in the demographics there. And so Definitely. it's a pretty cheap but effective way of getting some more reach. Exactly, exactly. It's definitely beneficial for both parties. And we have seen some great results in terms of registrations and then leads coming out of those webinars. That's awesome. Uh, Kevin and I talk about that. We refer to that concept as the Dream 100, which is basically just listing 100 places where your customers are already going online. And yes, that can be like Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups. It could mm-hmm. be following certain you know, newsletters, watching certain webinars, but it can also be they're already following complementary businesses mm-hmm. in your space, which it sounds like DBT, Microsoft, all are because you're an independent vendor. Yeah, definitely. Very cool way. Very cool way of reaching more people. Yeah, it's been very helpful for us. Hey, Keone, what's some of the things that you found that's been most helpful in getting the most out of digital marketing for a B2B business? So I'm sure it'll be no surprise to you both when I say setting up proper tracking. (laughs) (laughs) The power of tracking, as we all know here, is so unbelievably underestimated. And when it's done properly, the insight you can get about your customers or even just your website visitors is so valuable. And I know in the B2B space, it can be incredibly tough to calculate your return on investment because the consideration time is significantly longer. And unfortunately for us B2B digital marketers, it's not like e-commerce where, you know, someone will see an ad for shoes on Instagram, click on it and then buy it all in one session. The purchasing process can take months sometimes much longer. When you start to successfully track your paid digital advertising, you're able to see what channels are producing leads, brochure downloads, phone calls. And with the help of your sales team, you will be able to get some great insight into the performance of your campaigns, which will then you know, help you decide where to spend your budget moving forward. And I know tracking can be very intimidating and it is, it is tricky for sure. But uh, if I can give you one piece of advice, it's to master tracking. Yes, tracking is very important. I think we we cover it a little bit, George, when we talk about it in our framework and it really falls into that be ready, that initial setting up of foundations and it certainly sounds like you're doing all the right things, Keanu. You've got the foundations in place there, Altus. You started being very helpful and utilizing the content to then drive a two-way conversation and you've taken that a step further and move into the be seen section of our five Bs and you've started leveraging a lot of that content with your paid advertising, making sure that you're getting the most value out of that with the tracking that you put in place. 
So everything sounds like it's going to plan, but what is something that's unexpected that you've discovered in your B2B journey? For me, it was realizing that your best marketing material is your customer stories. What I found in the B2B marketing space is, you know, you're constantly trying to gain the trust of your potential customers. And in my opinion, there's not really any better way to do that than to have a customer with a positive experience advocate for you. This can be done in a range of ways, creating a case study or hosting a joint webinar or presenting together at a conference, having someone in a similar position to a potential customer saying, I've worked with this organization and it was very successful for me is such a great way to gain that trust of your audience. So it's really important to nurture that relationship. And I believe that your job as a marketer doesn't really end when the sale is made. So using things like case studies and testimonials are super powerful. And it Mm -hmm. sounds like you've identified those customers who are raving fans of Altus already. Something that Kevin and I talk about is A lot of companies utilize a lot of energy in trying to turn everyone into a raving fan. Mm -hmm. But what if you just identified the raving fans that you have out there already and using that same spend to enable them to Mm -hmm. go out and deliver the message in whatever way they want? Or it might not even be spend. It might just be effort or time. Is there anything like that that you've been doing with Altus? So one of our biggest drivers of sales is actually referrals. So we do have a structure in place to help us identify those customers that are our biggest supporters. And we do go out of our way to kind of go above and beyond for these customers to make sure they know we really appreciate their support. So it sounds like you've identified those biggest evangelists and you're just looking to surprise and delight them. Yeah, definitely. And I guess kind of just help out where we can. We've had instances where a client would like to present at a conference and would be more than willing to help them out and co-present with them. We like to catch up with those clients um, and just make sure we are helping them out basically as, as much as we can. That's so much more powerful than just sending them an Altus hoodie or branded (laughs) pen or sending them, you know, something like a box of chocolates. I mean, that's nice. That's lovely. But actually trying to help them get to where they want to go, which is what it sounds like you're doing. That's powerful. Definitely. And I think with B2B, it's important to remember in most cases, your biggest supporter or customer is the person itself, not the organization that they work for. So you want to make sure that they feel supported by you. Wow, that's a bit of gold there, George. Even in B2B businesses, the people you're talking to are still people. They're not an organization. Exactly. And Keanu, I, I want to circle back to another point that you're really making that it is very powerful to have that word of mouth, that um, advertising work for you in the background. I think George talks about it a little bit before in some of our early episodes when he mentions dark social. And it's this concept that, you know, your biggest evangelists, your best partners, your best customers, they actually become affiliates of yours maybe not in the traditional sense where you're you're paying them or you're doing it in such a rigid structure but it is that at the end of the day that when they advertise when they recommend you to another customer or potential customer that is infinitely more powerful than any advertising you can put out as the business trying to sell your services that validation is built in So Keanu, is there anything out there in the B2B space that you're finding particularly interesting in terms of maybe what's coming next or something that's piqued your interest right now? So for me, I think it's that people will start to get a better understanding of the data that's available to them and let that data drive their marketing decisions. 
So whether that be website data, customer data, social media analysis, uh, I guess people are now coming to terms with just how much data we have access to and how important that can be to improving performance. And when you say performance, what exactly do you mean? Do you mean bottom line sales or do you mean more in terms of closing that gap between sales and marketing again? So making sure that you guys are talking to the same people. Obviously, overall performance is important in terms of marketing. Making those data-driven decisions can make such a big impact on the performance of your marketing campaign. So I guess you're using that data, like you spoke about earlier, to drive that two-way conversation between yourself and the customer Mm -hmm. to be more and more powerful, Mm -hmm. which, as you said, it seems to build more trust. And then at the end of the day, when they're thinking that they need services from someone like Altus, they already have that relationship with you and tend to come to you. Exactly. I think what's tough about B2B is people don't always necessarily need your service. You can get in front of the right people, but then may not have a need for you right now. But as long as you can be top of mind when there comes a time that they do need something that you offer, then, you know, you've won. Kiani, you've been so generous with your time with us today. What's something that you want to share with our audience before we round off the conversation? One piece of advice I find really important to keep in mind is that when creating content for your audience, always try to add value. People consume so much content every day for your brand to make an impact and make a good impression. You have to be creating valuable and useful content. So talk to your customers, do your research and find out what those common challenges are for your target market and create content that'll be useful. That way you're kind of positioning yourself as the expert and trusted advisor and someone they'll come back to time and time again. You're not just adding to the noise because there's already so much noise out there. Well, we couldn't have set it out better ourselves, George. It almost sounds like a plug. It's definitely, it's definitely spot on. Kiani, Kiani, now you get to ask the questions. Do you have any questions for us? So we discussed before the struggles of, you know, B2B marketing, improving your ROI. So what are your kind of best tips to get better insight into your performance, your marketing performance? I think the question of ROI for a marketer is always a difficult one. And I think ultimately marketing needs to impact sales. Mm -hmm. And so as your marketing activities continue, if you're doing all the wonderful things like you're doing, Kiani, over time, you should see really marketing level off in terms of perhaps even lead numbers and spend. But I feel like if you looked at the sales and revenue mm-hmm. over that time, it should actually continue to increase. So I think that really quality marketing does end up having a direct impact on sales and revenue and should be able to point to that. There are going to be indicators that you've already pointed to to show we do have a two-way conversation happening in the market. Our customers are liking what we're putting out there. They are starting to trust us more. You've spoken about how you can keep the key stakeholders in the business informed of that. But I think ultimately marketing should impact revenue directly Mm -hmm. and you should really be looking at your sales revenue. Kevin, do you want to add to that? I think you've actually talked about a lot of things that we would advocate for to prove that ROI already, Keani. Things like talking to your end customers, then talking to your sales team and getting that feedback about what leads work and, and doesn't and bringing that information back into your marketing activity. You can then show that there's an uplift in terms of lead numbers that lead to the sale numbers, you know, things like conversion rate, what have you. And then it all kind of hinges on you having tracking in place, which we've also spoken about. So it's all those things together. One very specific thing I can add 
is people can also look into offline conversion tracking and uploading that data back into their marketing platforms. That's a bit more involved and a bit more technical, but it is something that is possible and it's important to get the right CRM or CMS system in place that allows you to do that. And so then you can actually get the marketing and sales team working a lot closer if we're using the same CRM system where the leads has user ID and then that goes through the sales process and those that end up in a sale in revenue, you can then upload that data back, stitch that data together on the different platforms and show that, hey, these clicks, this marketing spend right at the beginning there, they then came through as a sale at the end. So offline conversion tracking is something to look into. But as George said before, it's really about everything working together. It's about improving the quality of the leads. It's about improving the reach that you get with the right audience. Even the fact that you're giving these sort of insights about the audience and what actually is the competitive advantage of your business. That is the return on that investment in the B2B marketing space in itself. It's not just about those sales because those are all signals of what the sales and revenue will be down the track. I think I would just add one extra point to that, Kevin. As long as you're aware that within your CRM, there are certain places that you can't necessarily track that could have a very significant impact on that person's buying decision and journey. Mm -hmm. Places like if you have a regular podcast that positions you as a thought leader, there's nowhere to really to click through from here and become a customer. Mm -hmm. Webinars, I mean... We don't really know where that person became an initial point of contact. So I think just acknowledging that there are some shortcomings within the CRM, but looking to make sure that the overall marketing activity does have an uplift in terms of sales once it's had enough time to get out there with the decision makers and influencers, I feel like that's something to keep in mind when it comes to ROI. And it comes back to that point before you were making, Keani, about communication and improving the communication and the topics of communication with the wider business and the team. Proving your ROI becomes more about educating about what ROI really means in a B2B business. So that's an important part to consider. Amazing. ROI is a complex question in B2B, it isn't is. it? It is. That's why I asked you guys. <laughs> See, it, it, fe- it, it feels like everyone dances around it, but the reality is it is a complicated question. Very. And Kiani, it sounds like you're doing the absolute exact right thing in terms of just communicating, communicating with a wider business. Yeah. Thank you. The second question I had for you both was what's the most successful digital channel you've guys seen for B2B? For Kevin and I, whenever we have a new client, we first look at what we call the Dream 100, which Mm -hmm. we spoke about a little earlier, and is making a list of the top 100 places online that your dream customers already go to. So that's Mm -hmm. identifying what channels they hang out in already. Is it Facebook? Is it LinkedIn? What newsletters they subscribe to? What podcasts they listen to? What influences are there already out there in the space that Mm -hmm. they're following? make a list of those, and then we look at, okay, where are we positioned best to reach them? We find that for B2B, a lot of the decision makers and influencers, the starting point is normally LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. because that's just where they tend to be, and you have the targeting abilities to really go after them. Once you hit that as the initial touch point, then you can look at other channels to continue to push your message, your expertise. Yeah, it's a user journey. I wouldn't necessarily limit it to the most or single most effective channel 
with B2B, as we touched on already in this episode, there is different decision makers, there's different decision making processes, and that journey takes them to different channels across the board, even in one simple decision in B2B businesses. So it's important to just figure out who your dream customers are, as George said, then who your dream 100 is that influence those decision makers and what are the channels and places they hang out in online and away you go, get in front of them there. Did you find our answer sufficient, Keani? <laughs> yes, I did. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> that is the nicest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it will be the last. <laughs> well, Keani, thank you for being so generous with your time today. We've really enjoyed chatting to you on the podcast. Next week will be our last episode for the year, listeners. We'll be doing a quick wrap-up of some of the key concepts that we've run through so far this year. Don't worry, we won't be gone for very long. Tune in next week for a too-long didn't-listen version of the first 18 episodes and a sneak peek of what's to come next year. Kiani, if our listeners want to find out a bit more about yourself or what Altus does, where can they find you and Altus? Yeah, of course. So feel free to contact me on LinkedIn if you have any questions about what we've discussed today. Kevin, you can link both my LinkedIn account and Altus Consulting's LinkedIn account in the show notes, please. Getting a nice little bank link in there for Altus, Kiani. <laughs> Very good. Always yeah. marketing. All those SEO days. <laughs> All right, Keani, thanks again for coming onto the show. Listeners, we will chat to you again next week. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Keani. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Kevin. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.